0: This is Mike Wilbon from ESPN's Pardon the Interruption. And I'm speaking with Chad and Ryan on the Friendly Confines podcast.
1: Rhino, spring training, baseball. There's fans at Mesa, at Sloan Park. It almost feels normal. It really does, Chad. And we are actually
2: able to watch baseball and watch some sort of semblance of fans in the stands once again it's really great and i'll tell you what also is great seeing
1: players who are having amazing spring trainings yeah we're gonna break down some surprises so far it's early in spring we're going to break down what I mentioned before which is the latest news about fans being able to be at Wrigley Field uh, they're already being allowed at a limited capacity in Sloan Park our thoughts on what we're going to do the first time we get into Wrigley Field and then also some John Lester news that is concerning and uh, the impact on uh, on the Cubs front office that's right and a huge interview this week Chad I kind of
2: came out of the blue a little bit, but we catch up with longtime sports columnists, formerly of the Chicago Sun-Times, and of course ESPN from around the horn. It's Jay Mariotti, one of the most controversial but absolutely must-read columnists in his time. Gonna get his insight on what he thinks the state of the Cubs looks like. So stick around because we got a big show for you. The friendly confines starts right now.
1: Hey, guys, it's Sylvie from Waddle & Sylvie on ESPN 1000. You're listening to my guys, Chad and Ryan on the Friendly Confines.
2: I'm Ryan Lieber. He's Chad Gordon. How you doing, everybody? Let's start as we always do in the first inning. And, Chad, let's start with Nico Horner. You know, it was interesting. It seems like we were just talking about second base and how it was up for grabs between Nico and David Bodie. Well, the way that Nico Horner is hitting this spring, Chad, This may not be a contest. Nico Horner is absolutely crushing the ball this spring. He had a three for three performance the other day against the Dodgers. As of this recording, he has only gotten out once. It's pretty remarkable to see how well he is playing baseball right now. Uh, Chad, is Nico Horner the Chris Bryant of 2015
1: in 2021 this year? What do you think? You know, it's interesting. I don't think that time and service time is going to be a thing with this new this new agreement. It was such a, a, a thorn in everybody's side. And what happened it really is, is is our guests coming up in the seventh inning talks, I think, in, in part two. It, it really, uh, you know, was a negative um, for the relationship with Chris Bryant. I don't think the Cubs are going to pull him out. But I, I'll say this about Nico's strong start. You know, I've got a pretty good Dodger fan friend. And he said, I wouldn't get too excited about the, you know, the, 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 the shellacking that the Cubs uh, put on the Dodgers in the shutout. It is week one of the preseason, but yes, it's something to be excited about because my biggest concern about Nico, you, you wanted him to get some seasoning. You wanted him to get some at bats. You wanted him to develop in the minors. Hasn't had a chance mainly because there hasn't been any minors. You know, alternative site is not a great place to develop your talent. So if, if he has come in and, and maybe he is the guy that can come in. How was the last time the Cubs had a guy, you know, other than, than Chris, you know, who just came in at, at a young age and was like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm ready to perform. Um, I'd like to see more of it. Let's see what, what he's able to do. Obviously he put a lot of effort into the off season, you know, him long-term at second base is where the Cubs want to be. But my thought going in before this first week is they're going to send him down um, and then do some sort of platoon system and let him get some reps elsewhere on a daily basis, work on some things. But if he, You know, if he does this throughout the entire spring, I think the Cubs would be very foolish to make that move. Um, The other concern is minor league baseball is going to be pushed back a month. So you kind of want him to play and develop if you really want to see what he has.
2: No, listen, you're always looking for a breakout sort of player in spring training. I mean, that's what it's all about. Who's going to win the job? And right now, Nico Horner is showing that he absolutely deserves the job at second base and that there doesn't need to be any platooning between him and David Bodie. I love the fact that he is absolutely taking advantage of this, that he is showing that, Hey, I am ready for this opportunity, that I am ready to, you know, hit major league pitching on a day in and day out basis. And, you know, listen, I know that we have seen plenty of guys in spring training in the past who have looked absolutely remarkable. And then the regular season comes and, they don't look so good. Well, that could be the case. But you know what? The only way we're going to find out is allowing this guy to develop. And he's only 23 years old. So hopefully, big things ahead for Nico Horner as we start the 2021 season. And so far, he's off to an absolutely fantastic start.
1: Absolutely. Let's move on to the second inning. I had to say right now, there's some big news. And and it it was very surprising for me. Javi Baez, and some of the, the interviews in, in Mesa, has shared that Mentally, the last couple of seasons, especially last season, he really wasn't there. He said his focus wasn't there. He says he, he wasn't dialed in like he has been in the past, and he recognized that because of just distraction. Um, what do you think about that? Do you think that uh, that, 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 that should bode well for, for the Cubs and Hobby Baez this coming year? You know,
2: listen, if it, re-de- if it rededicates himself to really becoming the player that we saw in 2018, which I do find interesting because his best season was in 2018, and he absolutely ripped the cover off the ball, but yet he's saying after 2016 he had that sort of hangover. I I think as much as we look back on 2020, Chad, and feel like it was such a waste of a year and we saw a player in Javi Baez have his worst year ever, I really hope that this is going to reinvigorate him. As you have said in the past, he obviously – is in a contract year. He needs to make sure that he has a solid season in 2021. So whatever it's going to take to get him back to that hungry sort of grind away shortstop that got him to where he is at, I am all for it. And if Javi Baez needs to refocus his attention to be that player and be that all-star and, and to become once again that top shortstop in baseball, and this is what he needs to do, then I, absolutely go for it so I did find it kind of interesting but you know what excuses are only going to go so far because if he can't put it together this year after what happened last year well then that's a whole other different story so I hope that we can start to see Javi kind of recapture that magic that we had seen from him in you know the 2016 to 2018 range and hopefully we can uh, get him back on track and, and be that player that we know he can be what about you
1: you know, it was it was concerning. It was concerning on a, on a few levels because if this is that recognition of hey, you know, because I've mentioned to you this many times before, you know, Ryan, it, it did did these players when they 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 captured the ring when they won it in sixteen, did they take their foot off the gas and did they lose a little bit of fire and drive? And Javi kind of says, you know, he lost the focus there. And I have some concern now, is he just going to be focused because, you know, there's the big payday at the end of this season? And then but what does that mean once he gets the payday? Well, what is he going to do to maintain that focus? So when I heard this and I read this, it, it brought those alarm bells off in my head to say, wait a second, if you're not self-motivated, if you've recognized you haven't been self-motivated and given your all and given your best um, over the last several seasons, you know, since 16, What's gonna what's changed? You know, what are you working on so that you're gonna bring it in year in and year out? Cause he's gonna want a big payday. He's gonna want a long term contract. And I'm wondering how Jed in the front office has approached what they heard because you can't have that going forward. If they're gonna get a big payday, if they're gonna keep Javi Baez as the shortstop of the future and let him retire in a Cubs uniform several years from now, they gotta make sure they're gonna get the best out of him day in and day out.
2: Yeah, that's absolutely fair, and and I agree with that. And, well, that brings us to an interesting point on our third inning, Chad. You know, obviously Jed Hoyer and the Cubs have a lot of decisions to make as the season rolls on, and we talked about the fact that we have multiple free agents that could potentially be traded before the season is even over right now. So, Chad, there's a lot of moving parts to this team because a lot of it depends on if they're contending by midseason, if they're in last place by midseason, do you go for, you know, broke at the trading deadline or do you decide to trade these players at the deadline? So the question is right now, Chad, what is the more important date? Is it July 2021, which is the trading deadline, or is it October of 2021 where the Cubs could potentially be back in the postseason? How do you think Jed Hoyer and this team handles it?
1: I had an epiphany that absolutely freaked freaked me out this week as a a Cubs season ticket holder with all the communications going. I've not voiced this anywhere. I'll just share this. I don't think it matters to the Cubs if they're winners or losers this year because the ticket sales are going to happen. They've already sold all of their tickets. They're not going to sell any more tickets. If they do limited capacity, the season ticket holders are going to be in some sort of lottery situation. The tickets have been sold, right? there's not a ton of money that's going to be made on the concessions. It's going to be a bit of a loss, you know, if it is limited capacity the whole year. So if they were to do something where they did sell big at the deadline and then get back some prospects, I don't think it matters to the bottom line of the Cubs. I, I, I was just thinking that. And so for them, for the front office, I, you know, it, it's it's about hard at this point. So if the, if the team and the players are all performing at a high level, I've talked about this before, if offensively, you know, all the core guys that are, that are fighting for big contracts. If they all shine, then the Cubs have a chance to, 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 you know, outscore a whole bunch of, 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 of other teams. It's about the pitching. Right. And they obviously got rid of you Darvish that that accounts for several wins that are not going to happen now. And so, so my worry is, yeah, I, I think for the front office, you know, they might be in that mode of saying it doesn't really matter here. We can flip a lot of these big pieces, even if they're performing well, and restock what is known across Major League Baseball is not one of the best minor league systems. And so, for me, if I'm if I'm the front office, I actually think midseason is the bigger date. But as the fan, I I want to be in contention. I want this team to be battling and fighting. And I would love for them to pick up their first postseason win, you know, since Jake Arrieta last pitched them a, a postseason win um, in '17. So, yeah, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, I agree with you that July is certainly the more important month. Why? Because, again, we can both agree, at least I feel, that this team is not going to win the World Series this year. And I don't feel like this team can, even if they do win the division, they're not going to get very far in the postseason. And you talk about them getting a win. Well, a win is only good if you win the series. If the Cubs you know, lose the series three games to one – To me, it doesn't matter if they win one game in the postseason because they got their first victory since 2017. So I think that there has to be some sort of understanding to know that if they feel like getting a haul in return for Chris Bryant or solid prospects in return for Chris Bryant is going to give them the best chance for the future, and Chris Bryant's hitting really well by July, then yeah, I can see that happening where It's time to, you know, trade Chris Bryant. They have to make a decision who are going to be the guys that are going to be on this team in 2022 moving forward. Is it Bryant? Is it Baez? Is it Rizzo? Is it Contreras? Is it all four? Is it only one, two, or three? Those are the questions that we have to figure out. And it could be that it's just one of them. It could be two. I I think when it's all said and done, I personally believe, and we have talked about this, that it's Baez and um, Rizzo And potentially I think the two that get traded are Contreras and Brian. I think that's where it's going to fall. And so, no, it would not surprise me in the least. And again, if you're going to be able to get really solid prospects back on teams that are in contention and are looking to win a world series or have a better chance, then by all means, I say, go for it because I don't see this team getting very far in the postseason, that's for sure. Yeah,
1: but, I, you know, it's long-term, short-term as well because it, it just because they let those guys go at the trading deadline doesn't mean they can come back. I mean, uh, the Yankees restocked and replenished on Joe sure. you know, Epstein's back on their dime with Adroldis Chapman. So, yeah, so I don't think it, it's, it's But really if they're
2: getting rid of them, Chad, you also have to think this is not the Yankees. This is a team that's unloading them because they are probably not going to be able to sign them to the types of deals that they ultimately want. Let's see.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So some other big news, there was so much. You very much were very against the Cubs not re-signing John Lester. You felt like because of the bargain they should have done that, but we find out this week, John Lester, we're not sure when he's going to see the mound again. He is out indefinitely. He's having his thyroid removed. you got to wonder if that is something that that they had any inkling that that was going to happen or if this was a surprise. We haven't heard a lot about that story. But this is a really big deal, and it actually makes the front office's decision to, from my perspective, not bring John back, bring Jake back, because uh, their numbers are somewhat similar. What do you think about this news? First off, first, yeah, first off, let's 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 lead off with not to be callous. I mean, the best of health, and we want John back as soon as possible on any field in any uniform. But from a business standpoint, this is a big deal. It's
2: absolutely a big deal, and he is going to get
1: his thyroid gland removed
2: in new york um they're hoping though according to dave martinez the manager of the nationals they're hoping he can pitch in about a week chad so according to the nationals at least for now he's on schedule to pitch by opening day once again so i don't know how long this will sideline him and i don't know how long he'll be out for i guess it just depends on how smoothly things go and what the results are from having his thyroid removed. There is nothing within the article that says there is any cancer in the thyroid or that he needs any additional uh, treatment. But from what we know right now, this is what we absolutely know is that he is getting it removed and that they are hoping he is on track to pitch by opening day. I mean, listen, the one thing I'll just say about John Lester, he's a gamer. He's been through so much. And if there's anybody that can get back, it's going to be John Lester because this guy um, has faced so much adversity and has overcome it. So I never am going to underestimate what this guy can do on the mound. And it wouldn't shock me if he's back and able to pitch by opening day. So – um, that's my
1: takeaway on John Lester. What about you? Yeah, getting- you know, I love you were getting into like some of like, you know, medical terminology and like, you know, trying to and my, <laughs> my immediate thought right when you said that was like we should launch another podcast playing doctor <laughs> with Ryan and Chad. I mean I think we that's right. We'll just we'll just break down everybody on the on the IL in Major League Baseball and give our 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 uh very, very uh uh astute medical opinion. You know, you know, that's you right. know we don't know. You're right. I you know, removing the thyroid seems serious seems like you're gonna he's gonna need to be on some on on some medication for the rest of his life because the thyroid's an important part of of the regulation of the endocrine you know the system so so he's who knows how that's going to affect him who knows how it's going to affect his performance i would love to see him back on the mound in a week but the truth be told this is a major surgery um even though they're saying he should be back it's a wait and see mode i i'm at this point um i feel like uh you know it 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 you know, it could work out in the Cubs' favor that that if he's a long term scratch. Um, but at this point, I just want John back. I want him healthy. I can't wait to to see him uh, <laughs> face the the Cubs here uh, coming up in the future.
2: Absolutely, because you know when he gets back, uh, you know what that, an ovation. Uh, yeah, it's going to be absolutely marvelous to see him back at Wrigley, and I know that the fans are going to uh, enjoy every moment of that. Well, speaking of fans, Chad, uh, there has been talk about the Cubs getting fans to return to uh, not only Sloan Park, where the spring training facility is, which we have talked about, but to eventually have uh, bigger amounts of fans at Wrigley. Now, the mayor uh, of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, has not necessarily been specific about what that means or what the future of fans will look like at Wrigley, but there is hope that there will be uh, fans back in the ballpark and hopefully a decent amount of fans back in the ballpark. So it, it is slowly starting to go in that direction, Chad, where we're seeing some normalcy um, once again. What do you think it will look like when we see fans back in the stands at Wrigley Field and, and what that would look like to someone like yourself who is a season ticket holder and, and goes to as many games as you do. You know, I mean,
1: what we've heard is is that 20-25% number. You know, we're talking about 12,500 fans. I mean, both the White Sox and the Cubs have been uniform and saying the, the city of Chicago, let's do this. Let's work in a pod system. You know, we'll, we'll limit, you know, we'll do the social distancing. As a season ticket holder, I've not heard much more. You know, I've been in constant contact with my agent Hannah um, and asking the question and letting it her to be known. Hey, let me know. I want to be there on opening day. I'll be there on game two. I want to be back in in the in the stadium. Um, and I've got, you know, I'll be in Chicago during that time. I'm absolutely going to do everything I can to be there. Um, you know, what's going to look like? It's going to look like what we saw on TV. You know, uh, people spaced out, you know, people wearing masks. And then there's going to be a lot of shots of, like, people not having a mask on because they're having a drink or a hot dog. And, you know, there's going to be shaming and all those sort of things. I, you know, I think we're all in a situation you know, we've not been homebound, guys. We're we're not locked in. You know, you know. Yeah, I'm I'm in Chicago. I'm in, I'm California, rather, and and we have very you know strict limitations here. But we're out freely at the beaches, in the parks, walking around. So you know, uh, the small pods of people, and so it's about safety as best you can. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a different environment. Um, I think the players have already noticed. You know, because of their spring training, um, you know crowd crowds which are about the same size as a percentage you know, they're happy to see, you know, Hendrick said, it was good to see the fans out there. It's much better than throwing to nobody with fake crowd noise. And so my answer is it's going to be unique. And my hope is as the, the vaccine continues to, to, to thrive, and hopefully the numbers will, will lo- lower um, the, the, the crowds will get bigger, but I will share with you, I don't expect this, this season. Um, I don't think we're going to have have more than half 50% capacity. I don't think the Cubs are going to sell tickets outside of to the season ticket holders. I think it's going to be limited to the season ticket holders this year. You know, what they did on the 5th, on the March 5th, they normally take the last payment if you stretched out your payments. And it was going to be a biggie for us. And they basically said, we're not going to take your money because we're expecting to refund a lot of your money. And so the Cubs are aware. This is a unique time. It's going to be unique to see what, what actually transpires. But, man, I, really, I would love to be there April 1st. And if I can't be there, I'd love to be there April 3rd. Um, I can't wait to be back at Wrigley.
2: Yeah, I mean, listen, I totally understand that. And I'm sure, like you said, you're looking at 20, 25, maybe 30% capacity. I think a lot of this is going to depend on how many people are vaccinated and how many vaccinations are available to players in baseball. How quickly or when will that happen once we are able to vaccinate um, the most – Uh, you know, the 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 oldest population or the people that are, you know, in need of vaccinations the most who are most immune to possibly getting COVID-19. So I I would love to see to start. Maybe, you know, you're looking at 15,000 fans at Wrigley. I mean, that would be a nice amount that I I think would be great. Um, And then slowly increase it over the course of the year. I don't think we'll see a full capacity, obviously, in 2021. That'll probably happen in 2022. But it certainly will beat um, the fake computerized fans (laughs) that we saw on the Fox games that just looks so So weird weird and creepy and out of place when they would do broadcasts. And I listen, I know they were trying to do everything they could, but any semblance of fans in the stands uh, would be a a welcoming um, just addition to this uh, baseball season. I
1: love that you said 15,000 is a good start, and, and I, I instantly was thinking, so like a normal day on the south side. But we won't go there, because I typically <laughs> don't go there. You know, I don't make any digs, but if there's White Sox fans listening, you know I'm right. All right, let's move on to the sixth inning, Rhino, and yeah, I love that you put this on the rundown in the sixth inning. You know, it's that great question of when you're, when you're allowed back into Wrigley Field, what's the first thing you're going to do? What are you most excited about, about walking back? And he uh, threw them underneath the marquee at Clark and Addison. What are you looking forward to?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's just like running back up the steps and just kind of taking a deep breath and taking it all in about, hey, I'm back at Wrigley and I'm back at the baseball game and I am able to watch my favorite baseball team on a beautiful day in Chicago. Like, I think you just kind of bask in the moment, right? Because things that we just took for granted – have been absolutely taken away from us over the past year and change. And now that we've had some perspective, um, now that we have gone through what we have gone through, I think the little things make us so much more appreciative of what we have not been able to do over the past year. And so for me, um, obviously, you know, once I get settled in and then I want to get some food and, you know, enjoy myself, I think it's just that initial looking around the stadium taking in, you know, the day, um, looking at the field, watching the fans that come in and just kind of um, taking that moment to bask in it and say, wow, I'm, I'm actually able to watch the Cubs once again. And it's something that I had missed and not been able to do for so long. And I'm never going to take this for granted ever again.
1: What about you? you? know, I was, I was there, I was there the last Saturday and the last Sunday in September against the Cardinals where um, Craig Kimbrell had uh Two rough outings, um, and the Cardinals won both of those games. I was at the last game at Wrigley Field. I want to be at the next game, the first game, where fans are allowed. um, But I'll take whatever I can get in terms of walking in there. What I'm most excited about this 2021 season, yeah, the normalcy being there, even though it's going to be a very limited capacity. uh, I I got new seats in the offseason. I'm pretty stoked. I'm moving from 111 to 13. The listeners don't need to care about that. Um, But I'm excited about seeing my new seats. I'm excited about... I probably will not be able to see my old teammates because it's going to be some weird system about how, who's going to be able to sit in what seats win. Um, I just want to sit in that uh, in that stadium and, and look out onto that field and just feel it and hear the announcer and, and see Wayne do the, the anthem um, and have the seventh inning stretch. I just want to cheer and yell and look out at the Ivy and just be there. I miss it so much. I missed it terribly last year and I cannot wait to walk through those thin concourses and walk up to the seats and have a seat and just know that Cubs baseball is right there for me.
2: Time now for the seventh inning stretch here on the friendly confines. And, Chad, of course, we've had so many amazing guests on our show, but when you think about sports writers from Chicago, Uh, Chad, who really made an impact on the city, good or bad, love them or hate them. Our guest this week absolutely defines what that is all about. Of course, you remember him from the Chicago Sun-Times, from Around the Horn on ESPN, and all the countless radio shows that he had done over the years. And now he is joining us here in the seventh inning. It is... Jay Mariotti, Jay, it is so great to catch up with you. Welcome to the Friendly confines with Chad and Ryan. How are you?
0: I'm great. The seventh inning. That means do I get to sing? If you want, <laughs>
1: if you we've had a
0: couple guests threaten
1: that, so you're more than welcome to break out into song.
0: <laughs> you don't want to hear me sing, that's for
1: sure. Well, Jay, we have so much to talk about, and I want to lead off with. I mean, it's a Cubs podcast, and I want to talk about the product on the field, but we're going to get off of that very soon and talk about some other things because love to get some of your opinions. When I shared with, with friends that uh, we were going to have you on, and, and Ryan hit it, there's those that have always loved you and always hated you but always read you, and I think we've been cheated from hearing your take, especially since 2016, on the direction of this front office, and if you look at the Cubs front office and the moves they made in the last year, um, you know, getting rid uh, of you, Darvish, looking to be some sort of salary dump, some of the other decisions they made or didn't make, what is your take on what they're doing as a number three market in America? Are are you disgusted by this? What would the column headline be if you were talking
0: about this front office? Once the Cubs, always the Cubs. Nothing ever changes back there. Even when they win, finally, in 2016, my first thought after that championship was, okay, will this ownership in this front office be able to sustain this and, and carry on? as we saw the Red Sox did when Theo was there and so on. Well, it's not as if things flopped. They were still a successful organization year in, year out. Believe me, I lived through some of those Tribune company years. I mean, the, the Cubs had a drought for eight or nine years when I was there. It was hard to even you know go to the ballpark. It was that painful. But you say this for Ricketts for now, and, and I have my criticism, certainly, but what he did was produce the impossible, something I never would have thought as somebody sitting in that press box on Steve Bartman night, that they actually won a world series. And and I don't think we can forget that. We have to have perspective that that was supposed to be the impossible dream in American sports. And it happened. Unfortunately, it unraveled in a hurry. And it's, and I'm, I'm sorry. I have to look back at Chris Bryant and that decision uh, with involving service time, I, I think they probably should have thought about that a little more because it seemed to have a poisonous effect, I think, on everything, including Bryant, who, uh, by now, you would have thought would have won a couple of MVPs. Uh, instead, you know, they're running him out of town, and to me, that's that's the symbol—the the way they treated Chris Bryant well, is is the symbol of why things have fallen apart a little and. You know, Ricketts. Uh, on one hand, he, you, you know, he, he cries poor. On the other hand, they're involved in other businesses and you, you scratch your head and wonder, wait a minute. You've turned uh, Wrigleyville into this Buffalo Grove uh, looking uh, uh, you know, industrial park <laughs> and, and, and yet you don't have the money to, to keep your star players. It's it's sad. No franchise in Chicago uh including the cubs should ever go through anything that resembles a rebuild it's the third largest market as you say you can't get away with that here in la you can't get away with that in new york and yet when i was there i was always critical of the white Sox for rebuilding and now the cubs are going to do it no no cub fan should, should stand for it uh and yet i think that's the direction they're going in while ironically the white Sox uh, seem to be uh pennant contenders it is pretty remarkable how that has kind of flipped the script a little bit, Jay. Uh, uh,
2: after all those years, as you mentioned, and and I'm curious how much you feel like the fans should be upset by how the Ricketts are handling themselves, and not only that, because of the investments that they made around Wrigley Field and have jacked up the ticket prices as much as they have. What's you know what's the recourse at this point, and how upset should fans be? about what the Cubs are doing, be it that they're so closely
0: removed from a World Series and they're such a large market as well. They should be upset because it looks like a, a maybe not an out-and-out tank, but a semi-tank, that they're not going for it. And if you count, I didn't column on this recently, if you count the number of teams in baseball, at least two-thirds are tanking it. I can count 10 teams that are serious about trying to win in October. I don't think the Cubs are there. I, I think they're kind of half-assing it. Forgive my French. They're half-assing it, and you should never half-ass it when you're a top-five revenue generator in Major League Baseball, especially with uh, you know the price hikes and, and the tickets and everything that's been done at Wrigley. That was all done, as I recall, uh, to, quote-unquote, uh, ensure that year in, year out, we can contend for World Series championships. Well, that's not happening this year. And, and that's a bad division. They they should stay. Here's what's going to be great, guys. You're going get to be getting to a trade deadline. And you know Ricketts uh, and Hoyer, although I think I like Hoyer, and I, I think he, he's going to, unfortunately, be a puppet for Ricketts. Ricketts is going to want to have a fire sale. But the division is so bad, the Cardinals will have a big lead, but because the rest of the division is bad, the Cubs should have – A pretty decent record no matter what's going on, simply because the division stinks. So I wonder how the fans are going to react. It takes me back to my days when the White Sox were only three and a half games out at the All-Star Break. And I turn I coined the phrase, the white flag trade, and it sticks to this day. They decided Reinsdorf and Ron Schuller, we can't win. We're going we're gonna to trade this pitcher and this and this, and, and they got a bunch of kids. And, and I called it the white flag trade. And I have a feeling the Cubs are probably going to do the same thing. You, maybe if you're the White Sox, you can get away with that. The Chicago Cubs never uh, can get away with uh, a dump like that. And I'll be curious to see what, what happens in July.
1: Jay, I'd love your take on a theory that I have, and 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 I've I've not seen this really floated out there too much, but I've I've felt it. Uh, you know, you, you see, there was a, a podcast that Anthony Rizzo and Eddie Vetter were on recently, where Eddie, you know, uh, Anthony was just talking over on and on about you know the feeling and and what happened and how they they were overcome it in that night in Cleveland in November in 2016, and I've seen other uh, players do the same sort of thing, and my theory is this what more do these guys have to, to play for? Because this core group of offensive players, these guys are pretty good. The pitching, we can talk about that, but these core group of guys have underperformed, and my theory is, what more do they have to play for? A lot of these guys can can write their check in Chicago because of what they did on 2016. Do you think the fire and motivation is still the same? Because we don't hear the guys in Houston talking about when they finally you know broke through a, a year later, um, and, and there was so much weight on
0: that win in 2016. What do you think? Yeah, the, there's some. People- to that but but see my thinking is once you win that first one it's up to your manager it's up to your general manager it's up to your owner to keep that fire going it is a major market i'm glad you brought that up because sometimes the way chicago sports function it it reminds me of sort of a middle market and and i've always been down on the media there including when i was there for not holding feet to the fire when it comes to ownership. There are a lot of people afraid in that city or they just don't think it's the thing to do or whatever. When you talked about my quote-unquote popularity or lack thereof, a lot of that had to do with me sticking out like a sore thumb and in, in getting after the owners. And nobody else seemed to be doing that in town. I don't know why, but it, the fans certainly do. And I think the media, you know, and I didn't monitor the media after the World Series title. My guess is the media, culpable as well, probably, hey, finally they won. Let's give them a break. Well, that might factor into some of these guys getting a little soft. So I wasn't there. I've lived in in L.A., you know, for 10 years. So I, I haven't been there to observe the media day to day. I think that was a factor. The fans finally being appeased. And, uh, yeah, there was certainly a, a, a honeymoon there that maybe shouldn't have existed, you know, had Theo crack the whip a little. And, and again, I wasn't there, but you know, maybe Theo needed to say, hey, in Boston, we kept winning. Are you guys going to keep winning? So, you know, now he's gone. And it just the whole thing fizzled out when it really did not have to fizzle out. You had cornerstones. It was all there. There's money there. The fans are in love with the thing like never before, and it fizzled out. It's kind of sad, really. Hey, everybody, this is Ryan Dempster, and you're listening to Chad and Ryan on the Friendly Confines podcast. Jay, we were talking
1: a little bit before we got on uh, online uh, about uh, culpability and, and just the changing face of, of – of... Of maybe even coverage in in the Chicago market. I follow you online. I know you've been outspoken about uh, the Jared Porter situation. And for our listeners that aren't aware, Jared had a a very key role for the Cubs uh, uh, in, in the scouting department and then moved on to be the general manager for a short time for the New York Mets before sexting scandals and some other inappropriate activities. But a lot of these things happened. On the Cubs' watch, on Theo's watch, what's your take on this? Do you feel like the, the, the media has gone soft on that? There should, should there be more discussion around this? Uh, it's such a it's such a hot-button t- topic right now um, as it links to the Me Too movement.
0: Well, let's look at Mickey Calloway in Cleveland. Uh, yeah. The Athletic has done great work yes. on that situation and how evidently the Indians' president of baseball operations, Chris Antonetti, and the GM, Mark Chernoff, uh, both evidently, they had evidence anyway, that they were aware <clears throat> of some of uh, this this pornographic material that Calloway was sending to the wife of a husband who uh, called the team offices to complain about all of this. And Antonetti is on record as saying, I knew nothing about this until I read this story about it. And the athletic comes up with this evidence to the contrary, which is making the Indians Look pretty bad. And I don't know if these guys are going to keep their jobs. I don't know if Terry Francona will keep his job. Okay, you've got that going on there. Now, what where are the Chicago media when it comes to Jared Porter? Very similar situation, only his situation involved a reporter who is no longer in business, a female reporter. He sends her a lewd photo and she informs and to this day an unnamed Cubs employee, that means Wrigley Field, somebody there aware of it. She also told, I think another major league baseball player unnamed that reporting by ESPN.com last month. So we have all the swirling in Cleveland. My question to the Tribune, the Sun-Times, to the score, to AM1000, to the Daily Herald, uh, are you investigating the Cubs In 2016, 2017, when this was percolating, is anybody looking into the great Theo Epstein? It's hard for me to believe. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think somebody's going to ask the question. When Jared Porter was a disciple of Theo going back to Boston, Theo brought him here with Hoyer. You mean to tell me Hoyer and Epstein knew nothing about this Jared Porter situation? If so, uh, I'm gobsmacked. I'd be shocked. I, at the very least, I think, and and throw the athletic in there too. I mean, they're doing this great work in Cleveland. What, what about in Chicago? I mean, don't you have to ask some questions of Ricketts and Hoyer and find Theo wherever he is? I have seen nothing. I've seen nobody deny it. I said, well, the Cubs put out a statement, but I've seen no. I have not seen a word from Epstein on this. I've seen nothing but from Hoyer on this other other than we've got to do better. Yeah, okay. Well, did you know about this? Is anybody asking the question? So yeah, I'm I've been outspoken because I'm I'm having a hard time believing this Cleveland situation is being exposed and, and Theo is walking away from this. All he has to do is explain himself and maybe he didn't know and that's okay. Then go run be the commissioner of baseball in five years. But until then, in my mind, there's a little cloud over Wrigley Field because nobody has really explained what that whole thing was about. And once again, our thanks to Jay
2: Mariotti. It was really great to catch up with him, Chad. Really had some fantastic insight. And that was just part one of our interview. We're going to have part two with Jay next week. So be sure to listen to what he has to say. One of the things we talked about with him is, does he regret Any of the things he's ever written, maybe looking back and saying to himself, hmm, maybe I was a little too harsh. And, Chad, we talked to him about if he felt like he's been blackballed from the sports media landscape. So, really some interesting stuff that we're going to get into uh, with Jay about next week. So, be sure to listen to that. And also, you can find Jay on Twitter. He is at Mariotti Sports. You can find Chad and I on Twitter. I am at Ryan D. Lieber. Chad is at the Chad Gordon. Please make sure to give us a follow. And then, of course, our Facebook page is at the Chicago Cubs Friendly Confines Facebook page. We always love interacting with you. And we have a new website as well, theconfines.com, www.theconfines.com. You can go there to access this podcast. And we have a lot more exciting stuff that we're going to be doing, too, on that website, Chad, and uh, things that we're going to be able to unveil very
1: soon, if not sooner, as we move into the eighth inning. Love that, and uh, looking forward to uh, sharing more about theconfines.com in the coming weeks. So I, I love this story. I posted it on the Facebook page. Um, there was a study of what baseball fans and which baseball fans drink the most, and there was a survey Based upon basically to determine the booziest and biggest drinkers. And I mean, being a Cubs fan, you hear about it all the time. I would assume that, that 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 Wrigley Field would have to be top of the list because nobody goes to Wrigley to watch baseball, right? Tongue in cheek, because that's not the experience I have. But guess what, guys? The Cubs are like in the middle of the pack and leading the way. The booziest fans, the most biggest drinking fans, averaging 4.2 drinks a game on average per the stadium, Chicago White Sox. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, you know what,
2: Chad? It just goes to show that it's White Sox fans that were pushing that narrative all those years because they claim that Cub fans aren't really good baseball fans and they're just there to drink beer. When in reality, it's the angry, bitter White Sox fan who is at the game. Upset about whatever it is they're upset about, drinking and absolutely being miserable as per usual. So it's hilarious to me to see that White Sox fans come in at number one and they are drinking a little over four drinks per game. And as you mentioned, the Cubs coming in at 14. Right. Not even two. Not even top 10. They're at 14, just above the halfway point at a little over three drinks per game. Um, So pretty crazy how that is the case. Interesting. I mean, I would have never guessed the top five is what they are, but it's the White Sox, the Braves, the Reds, the Indians, and the Padres rounding out the top five. So pretty interesting how um, the White Sox and the rest of the top five kind of shake out. But yeah, it just goes to show that Cubs fans, they're more than just drinkers. They like to enjoy baseball, which is obviously why they're there. What about
1: you? I mean, the White Sox tailgate. The White Sox, you know, they drink. And any White Sox fan that that talks about Wrigley Field being just a place to party, come on. I've been to White Sox games with all you folks. You guys get ripped and blasted, not just on beer. I, I got you, White Sox fan. I'm not surprised that the Reds and the Indians are on there. What else is there to do in Ohio than to drink and just be miserable? But I'm really not surprised by the Padres. Petco Park has the greatest beer selection. craft. First off, San Diego is is unparalleled in craft beer. It's a birthplace of craft beer. Them being in the top five, I'm not surprised by. You go to Petco Park, you're going to sample a lot of beers and you're going to enjoy it. But fun survey, not surprising at all. Got a lot of great comments on the Facebook page. And uh, you know what? I think we need to up our game. I think... You know, I think the Cubs can do better than um, a little more than three drinks a game.
2: (laughs) You could be right about that. You could be right. But uh, needless to say, it's nice to see that we're just not all about having a party in uh, Wrigley and drinking our our sorrows away. So with that, Chad, yeah, let's move on to the ninth inning. And uh, Chad, in anniversary, um, it was Harry Carey's 107th birthday on march 1st and uh, he would have been as we mentioned 170 passed away in 1998 at the age of 83 it is hard to believe chad because i remember when it happened that it was 23 years ago harry has now been gone um pretty remarkable because you know to some degree it seems like he's never left chad because obviously his his uh legendary status looms so large among Cub fans and at Wrigley field. So um, let me throw this to you. What is your favorite Harry Carey memory um, that you uh, can recall and uh,
1: remember as a kid? Uh, You know, it's, it's like asking um, you know, what's your favorite Cubs memory? Because when I think about Harry, it all runs together. I have some favorite Cubs memories, but there's so many and you can, you know, to do like a top 10 list is, is, is something, but with Harry, he was just—he was the voice. He was the guy. You know, I've mentioned this several times. I grew up in Downstate Illinois. I grew up south of Champaign, a little town called Villa Grove. You Cubs or Cardinal fans if you grew up in my town. There was no White Sox, and you would rush home from school on my little BMX bike, and you turn on the TV because you know you weren't sure if it was going to be GI Joe and Transformers or if it was going to be Chicago Cubs baseball. I didn't know—I didn't know how to read the schedule. I didn't know home and away, but it was always a surprise. I'd turn on the TV and I'd watch Channel Nine, and it'd either be one or the other. And I was equally happy for both. And Harry, for me, was that lar- larger than life Vigor, you know, along with with my uncles who really shepherded me into the game and sat with me and educated me here and there on what was going on. You know, Harry was the guy that just simplified it, and you laughed along with him. You didn't know what the jokes were sometimes, but he was cartoon character of a of, of a play by play announcer, and then you'd get educated by Steve Stone. You just felt very comfortable. So when I think of Harry, Harry. I don't think about my adult time listening and watching him into the 90s, you know, through high school and college. I think about him as a kid watching, listening and feeling like, you know, this is fun. And I want to watch more Cubs games. And And he really defined my childhood uh, as as a Cubs fan.
2: You know, for such a long time, Chad, as you know, the Cubs were not competitive and really didn't have a lot going on for them. Um, in fact, in all of Harry's years broadcasting the team, I want to say that he literally had two winning seasons broadcasting Cubs games. And that was at 84 and 89. Um, which is unbelievable to me when you think about it, because, He did not live to see the 98 season when they went to the wild card uh, round. He passed away. It was the same year Jack Brickhouse passed away. So I think for me, it's that famous um, end of the year broadcast. I want to say it was around 1987 when now it has become kind of a famous, um, you know, broadcasting uh, television moment for Cub fans when Harry uh, says the line and I, I don't think I'm going to get correct a hundred percent, but it was basically saying how, you know, as uh, green apples are on this earth, one day the Chicago Cubs will win a world series. And um, I, I do remember when he said that um, watching it, and you were always kind of sad at the end of the year because you knew that the season was over and it was, basically the end and the cubs weren't going anywhere and that was it and i just remember just watching that and saying you know i hope one day he's right i really do yeah. and, and of course we all know how it ended up and we all know how long it certainly uh took some time uh took uh you know almost 20 years before that happened but needless to say harry always believed in the cubs even when the cubs didn't believe in themselves and he was their biggest cheerleader he was certainly somebody that you know loved this team. He was the mayor of Chicago, um, you know, literally and figuratively to some degree. When you think about what he meant to the city, because people, when the Cubs were really bad, Chad, my point, I guess, was being is that the Cubs were more associated with Harry Carey. If you know, even though you may not have known players on the Cubs, if you were not a quote unquote baseball fan or from another state or even another country. You knew who Harry Carey yeah. was. And and so that was what he had come to represent, um, you know, when the Cubs, for so many years, were just awful. Yeah, here's, and, here's uh, the quote.
1: You paraphrased it close, but sure as God made green apples, someday the Chicago Cubs are... Going to be in the World Series. He didn't even say they'd win it. He said they'd be in it because that's how bleak it was for the longest time, that especially after they got so close in 69 and again in 84. Um, but hey, real quick teaser, not this week, but we've got a great guest, Tom Driesen, who actually shared stories of going out on the town and partying with Imagine This Night at the Ambassador East um, in the pump room with Harry Carey and Frank Sinatra. And uh, he actually shares who outdrank who because they were both famous drinkers. That's coming up in a couple weeks.
2: That's pretty remarkable. I know, so cool. I'm excited about that interview as well. Well, that is going to wrap things up on this edition of the Friendly Confines podcast. Of course, once again, our thanks to Jay Mariotti for joining us this week. For Chad, I am Ryan. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Have a good one.
1: See you at the ballpark, everybody. Just a game For i seen other teams And it's never the same When you're born In Chicago, you're blessed And you're a field The first time you walk Into Rigoli everyone, I'm Chad Gore, And
2: I'm Ryan Lieber. We're the hosts of the Friendly Confines podcast.
1: Each week we'll bring you the latest Cubs news from the fans' perspective with some of the biggest names in sports.
2: Joe Buck, welcome to the Friendly Confines with Chad and Ryan.
1: Yeah, oh my God, I'm happy to do it. Pat Hughes, welcome to the seventh inning. Happy to be here, Chad. It is Len Casper.
2: You got it, Ryan. Chad, happy to be with you guys. The Hawk, Andre Dawson.
0: What is my distinct pleasure? I'm doing fine, thank you.
2: We're also excited to bring you new episodes as part of the Barroom Network. So, if you're a Cubs fan or even just a baseball fan, be sure to check out the Friendly Confines podcast every week on the Barroom Network. <laughs>
0: I'm George Will, and you're listening to the Friendly Confines podcast with Chad and Ryan.